Welcome to Women in Electronics, the only show that empowers, develops, advocates, and celebrates the accomplishments and advancement of women in the electronics industry. With your host, Jackie Maddox. Well, hello. Here we are again today with another episode of our Leader in Highlight Women in Electronics Radio. So excited to be here with Chris Beeson, who is our guest from RS Components, an allied company. Chris, it's so good to see you. Well, thank you for the invitation. I'm glad to join the uh, podcast. All right. So, so Chris, your position is Group Senior Vice President at RS Components. Is that correct? It is correct. Yes. Okay. Um, so let's start with that, Chris. Let's just talk about um, Allied RS. Um, we hear electro components. Can you just explain to our guests how this all ties in? You know, what, what a company Allied is, how do you relate with RS, and how these divisions all align together? Well, it's a good question because uh, certainly, especially in the United States, I, I believe our our brand and image at times does need to be explained, but uh, let, let me try to start. Uh, first off, we're based in the UK, actually based in London. The parent company goes by the name of Electro Components. We're a public company based in, you know, once again, in the UK. That being said, our go-to-market, the main brands are RS, which we apply to EMEA and Asia Pack, And in North America, we utilize the brand Allied, which many people know, you know, within the, the states and, of course, Canada and Mexico. So it's a little different, a uh, little different structure, a little different naming rights than some companies have. All right. Well, thank you for explaining that, because I think there sometimes is a little confusion, but that explains it very nicely. So thank you for that, Chris. Yeah, I'll just add to that related to my role and function because it also speaks to the business model. There's certainly pure play models that we're all exposed to in electronics, but our organization is a little blended. Matter of fact, we would probably deem ourselves more of an industrial company than we would even a electronics company. So over the last couple of years, Allied even tweaked their name. They were Allied Electronics. But now that the actual name is Allied Electronics and Automation. And I believe the automation really highlights our, our focus into this industrial segment and really uh, both with product mix as well as clients that we're engaged with. It, it kind of speaks a little bit more of the vertical that we serve. Okay, so that answers my next question, you were very proactive with that, um, <laughs> about the markets that you serve. And, and really to comment on that, it's very interesting that you noted that because it, when we look at the electronic component industry, and I, I think you and I had kind of touched upon this at one point, but you know, we serve so many verticals in the electronics industry, industrial automation being one of them. So it's, it's really with women in electronics, what we're trying to do is serve the entire industry, which there's so many verticals, right? So um, within the electronic component industry, industrial is such a major uh, factor in, in this whole um, industry. So how do you, what would your 
feedback be on that? When, when you look at people in our industry, say you even take medical, they say, oh, I'm in the medical industry, but really it's a part of the electronic component industry as well. What are, what's some of your feedback on that? And how do we unite this industry um, under the electronic component industry together? You know, it's a, it's an interesting observation. And uh, I think we're all in learning mode every day. Uh, having been, my background historically has been electronic components, and I'm representing mostly electronic components, but into an industrial environment. And we hear a lot of the words, I'll say buzzwords to a degree. You, you think about IoT, and you think about Industry 4.0, and uh, and what happens when you when you apply that to applications? It has many, in many cases, it has an industrial focus. I think over time, and what we're seeing is, it's a little more challenging to be a pure play electronics participant, because by definition of your technology, you're moving into, for instance, like the industrial space. So I see a convergence occurring, and I'm seeing that with traditional electronics distributorship. And if you look at their product offerings, and their breadth of product offerings, over time, they're really starting to expand into areas that we would say, hmm, is that, you know, even for us, we, we're heavily into maintenance and, you know, personal protection equipment and, and, and products. And at times, that was kind of a standalone industrial focus. But now you see more of the electronics, historic electronics players participating in that space as well. So, it, it, it's a moving equation, but I do believe there's certainly stronger and stronger convergence of industrial companies becoming a little more electronics focused and vice versa. Wow. I love that term. It's a moving equation. I agree with you there. And, and really speaking of that, you know, moving, pivoting, you know, I'm going to get into the whole um, conversation about what we've all experienced is, is this, COVID has really changed a lot of how we're looking at business, how we're doing business. How has a company like Allied been able to pivot to adjust to the new way of doing things moving forward? You know, I I don't even want to say post-COVID because we're still (laughs) in this time. Like this is a historic time. And that's why we're doing these podcasts and we're, we're reaching out to leaders like yourself because there's a lot of mentorship that needs to happen because everybody is forced to look at things different. So how has your organization pivoted during this time? Well, the good news, I don't think we hit the panic button, which could be the case based on many business models that, you know, there was more of a a panic at the outset because we had a little stronger digital orientation. I believe we, we had the ability to navigate through COVID i.e. Zooms and Teams calls, a little bit easier uh, than others. But we're, we're challenged like everyone, really going through the return back to work. What does work look like in the future? Lessons learned from COVID as to what's been very positive and, and maybe not quite as positive. I've been with the electronic, uh, Electric Components Group for a little bit over a year, and you take a topic like uh, new employee onboarding. Well, how does one do that out of their bedroom and to really get into engaged? 
become engaged into our company culture and, and to a company, you know, the overall flow or organization. So I think you have to assess that related to the makeup of your organization to address topics that really weren't as prevalent uh, as they are today. So, you know, 18 months ago looks a lot different than today, as we all know. Right. And and really, we addressed, uh, we had a all-industry event yesterday, and we addressed some pretty critical topics. And, you know, as far as remote working, onboarding new people, you know, all those kinds of things that every single organization is facing as a challenge. So as far as your organization how are you addressing things like remote working and, and some of those onboarding challenges and, and, and preparing for the next set of leaders to come in? You know, as you know, we have a very mature industry and it's getting even more mature. Um, so how is your organization preparing for that succession? Well, certainly if you have guiding principles in your organization, we, we believe, and uh, others have similar thoughts, but, you know, people, your people, your your human capital is, is really the most critical element. With the start of that, at that being the baseline, how are we navigating through, you know, volatility and new ways of doing work? And so we're, we're heavily engaged into a lot of topics, which is... Uh, to a degree, almost self-analysis at times, but it but it's very positive. You know, the topic of inclusion, uh, the topic of we're actually going through a whole discussion related to our overall organizational health and, and looking at the positives, but also some of the gaps that we have today that maybe weren't really in great consideration 18 months ago. So it is a uh, it, it's a big part of our charter because we all know that you, you really have to get that right if you're really going to succeed in business and have the financial and overall operational results that you uh, strive for. It really starts with the foundation of how you're nurturing your own staff. Wow. I, I like that comment, and I love that you talked about inclusion because I think that's that's very accurate. It's really interesting, a, a, a major sticking point for a, a lot of organizations um, when we look at the data at Women Electronics is in that first one or two rungs in the ladder um, for, for especially women um, in their careers. So it's really interesting to note and to talk to organizations to see you know, what is the process for looking at existing managers and, and, and really evaluating where the inclusion is or is not and how are we addressing that within organizations so that we can truly retain talent and a- allow the advancement um, that we all are looking for? Yeah, also a very large topic. It's interesting. Uh, we have a very large ESG initiative, environmental, social, and governance mm-hmm. practice. We're a public company, so you get to see what we're putting out there. Embedded in there is topics such as, you know, the foundation of our management. What do, what is the makeup of it? Is it, uh, is it, does it have inclusion embedded into that equation? I I believe we're at a little bit of, not an advantage, but, you know, an observation. And I I think I shared with you before, but, uh, you know, as a public company, we have a board and actually the chair of our board, Rona, 
Bruno Fairhead happens to, you know, so the baseline that we have a female chair of our board kind of, uh, you know, sets the precedence that we, we understand the importance of having the right people in the right chair, regardless of, you know, their, uh, regardless of their male, female status or other, other orientation. So I, I, I think it's, uh, that's kind of embedded into our thought process already and not perfect, but we also look at that on a global basis, you know, so inclusion to me, you know, being a, a UK based company, you know, what's our interpretation of how we engage with our Asia organization uh, to a degree, our North America organization. So it has a lot of different components to it related to our considerations. I love that your organization is really thinking about this because we always say, you know, just hop in where you're at. Um, so a lot of people from what we're finding, a lot of organizations just actually don't make the plunge just because they know they have a lot of work to do. And you mentioned something else. You said, well, we know we're not perfect. That's that's such a um, telling statement that, you know, you know, you have work to do every single organization does and every single person does. You know, we all have unconscious bias. We all have that. And so we're just normal human beings trying to operate in these organizations. So the fact that people can even just hop in where they're at and start progressing from there is is just such a beautiful thing. So I appreciate that, Chris, uh, very much. Um, also wanted to just ask you, since we have about just a few minutes left on this part one, um, I just wanted to ask you, if we look at you, the organization, um, and, and we look at what you're trying to accomplish in the industry, um, you know, a lot of times we look at, you know, oh, we're here to make money, you know, we, we have X amount of profits, but really beyond that, like, what is it that your organization is trying to accomplish? What are you trying to advance? What is the mission behind the organization? There are a couple couple aspects to it. We are we definitely are a for profit organization, so that is that is part of our orientation, especially as a public company. But that being said, I mentioned this uh, ESG equation. What are what are we doing through the use of technology and? really the methodology and how we operate, what are we doing to make sure sustainability is embedded into the quality of life for many of us, candidly, all of us? So we're taking a number of steps to look internally as to our participation in this equation. We're working closely with suppliers to challenge suppliers and also align with suppliers as to how we can be better in in some of these areas. So it, it, it takes on a much more holistic approach related to what we're all about and what we stand for, but, uh, but it is uh, well beyond just the PNL orientation. Love that. Okay, so technology and sustainability, so critical, so important. So happy that we have people actually focused on that. You know, most people who they use their gadgets, they don't think about it, but there's people behind the scenes really working uh, to advance this every day. So with that, Chris, we are going to conclude part one. Thank you so much for being here, and we will catch you on the other side for part two. Very good. Thank you. You've been listening to another episode of Women in Electronics right here in Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net.